It's the bottom line. On News Radio 610, KONA. From the Tri Cities to Olympia to DC, we break down. The stories of the day and the people making the news. And that's the bottom line. Time to get the bottom line. Presented by McCary Meats in Basin City with your hosts, Rob Francis and Ed Dawson. And welcome into the bottom line. News Radio 610 KONA live from the Grand Davenport Hotel in Spokane. Rob and Ed hanging with you. I want to thank our good friends, Perfection Tire. Your specialists in Nokian tires, they're made in Finland. They're great in the wintertime. They're great all weather. They have studded tires. We know how Washington winters are. They can survive in Finland. They'll do just fine for you here. Stop by and ask about Nokian tires at your local Perfection Tire. And again, thanks to them for helping us make the road trip up here to Spokane. Joining me is Maria Frost with the Washington Policy Center. She's the transportation expert. And, Maria, one of the things that we have heard the legislature talk about, uh, in fact, they initiated a pilot program that has just ended, is a mileage tax that may wind up coming our way in the near future to go with, it seems like every other tax under the sun they're finding to impose upon us. But talk to us a little bit about the mileage tax, and and you had some firsthand experience with it. Thanks. Yeah, I did. So I was a participant in the road usage charge pilot project, and what the pilot intended to test is the feasibility of imposing a tax on every mile that we drive rather than a tax on every gallon of gas at the pump. Um, So I participated in the pilot and tested out a few of the different methods of collecting my mileage. I tested out the most invasive option, which uses a Well, they sent me a GPS transponder that I had to install in my vehicle that tracked um, where I drove, when I drove there. And what I found out that was a bit shocking, it also graded my driving based on acceleration, speeding, cornering, braking. Um, These were called what the Washington State Transportation Commission called value-added features. I also tested out the odometer reading, which is where you submit a picture of your odometer. It's a less invasive option. However, um, for folks who would choose that option, they can plan to pay for miles that they drive out of state because your vehicle doesn't know. There's no way to transmit unless you're really tracking it. Uh, when you have left the state. And so you really don't have many options in this pilot if you don't want to be overcharged. We're talking with Maria Frost with the Washington Policy Center about the potential of the mileage tax coming our way and some of the things that are involved with it. Um, Now, Maria, you talked about invasive, less invasive. um, You're going to pay for it if you want a less invasive way of tracking your mileage. The GPS seems like obviously the easiest way, but we also know through uh, discovery later on with different aspects of the Internet, social media, they pick up a lot more information on you than what you initially believe. The GPS aspect, what is the state saying that they're going to collect, and what are some of the realities of that they may pick up without us necessarily being aware of it. Yeah, so this is a, a very good question. Um, what they picked up from me was um, the start of my journey, the end of my journey, and then I could look on a satellite map of my trip on my phone and see every, you know, quote unquote, infraction along my trip. I can definitely see uh, myself getting or people who have a GPS transponder getting tickets. 
um, for their driving, even though the system has no way of, of really discerning your judgment that you use on the road, right? Maybe you're going 65 miles per hour in a 60 because you're passing a, a semi-truck, um, that kind of a thing. So um, I found the GPS transponder option very convenient, but also very uncomfortable. And there is a great social cost to that. Now, you mentioned the speeding aspect, and from what we understand, this isn't supposed to be used as a traffic monitor, but has there been any indication that Washington State Patrol or the legislature will allow Washington State Patrol to use this, because we all know the state likes revenue, uh, to be able to give infractions? Not that I know of. It's it's. It's something that the state will have to, they're going to have to put in serious privacy um, restrictions in order for people to feel remotely comfortable about this. And actually, just last week, the Washington State Transportation Commission met to assess the road usage charge and to discuss preliminary recommendations on which they will be voting on in December, on December 17th. Those recommendations will go to the legislature, and the legislature can decide what to do with them. One of those re recommendations did have to do with um, putting in um, additional statutes that protect personal privacy because current state law does not exempt road usage charge data from public disclosure laws. Wow, that's a biggie. That is a biggie. Now, of course, when we talk about a new tax, we always focus on an old or an existing tax. That existing tax would be the fuel tax. Now, that is a bonded tax. The gas tax is a bonded tax currently. Another 25 years left to go on it. We were told that a mileage tax would eventually replace the fuel tax. But it sounds like for the next two and a half decades, that is not going to be the case. So Washington residents can be expected to be paying double now for driving on the roadways, though the state does say they have a measure in place to uh, credit some of that money. How exactly are they proposing to give taxpayers a break with the imposition of this mileage tax? So it, it may not necessarily be double. It's 2.4 cents per mile, which is intended to be equivalent to 49.4 cents per gallon, which is what we pay in state fuel tax. They have talked about certain um, certain exemptions and reductions for low-income families, um, folks in rural communities, and they realize that that presents a challenge, as, as they should. I think the other big challenge, if you're talking about a gas tax replacement, it's important for people to understand that our state fuel tax is protected by Washington State's 18th Amendment to the Constitution, and that means that the money that you pay in fuel tax is protected for highway purposes only, not transportation purposes, which is inclusive of transit and other things, but just highway purposes, meaning the maintenance of our roads and bridges, and that's what makes the fuel tax um, really a direct user fee. You pay the fuel tax, and the money goes back into the roads that you use. A road you usage charge may not be protected by the state's 18th Amendment. So that presents another challenge where you've got a lot of politicians and interest groups who are really going to fight for that money to be used for public transit and other things. And so that means it would not be a gas tax replacement, right? In order to be a gas tax replacement, it has to replicate the features of a gas tax. Fortunately, last week, when the State Transportation Commission met, they actually included this as a preliminary recommendation. Hopefully it passes in December. Um, that the road usage charge be subject to the 18th Amendment. So we'll see where that goes. 
We're talking with Maria Frost, the transportation specialist with the Washington Policy Center here. We're at the Grand Davenport Hotel in Spokane. Bottom line, on the road live. Thanks to Perfection Tire. Now, Maria, um, one of the other initiatives on the ballot, 976, would roll the car tabs back to $30. And while it sounds great on the surface, what we've heard from a number of local municipalities is how much it would hit their bottom line. Is there a... Even though we want we want to roll back to that thirty dollars, and, and and the consumer thinks it's a great idea, is there going to be a significant financial hit for local municipalities if that goes back to thirty dollars? Sure, and that's a that's a valid question. Um, of the four billion dollars impact over the next six years, which was what the Office of Financial Management provided analysis on. The great majority of the impact, at least eighty-five percent, is on public transportation in the form of an impact to the two sound transit which is the transit agency in the puget sound and of course transportation benefit districts which is what you're referring to um, a lot of transportation benefit districts on the west side of the state use money um, use car tab money to fund transit but i understand that in other cities throughout the state they use that money for arterials and fixing potholes and things like that um, the Washington Policy Center has, uh, so we have not taken a position on the initiative, but we do have a position on transportation benefit district policy generally. We don't believe that there's anything wrong with um, a community going to the public and saying, look, we would like to raise money for, we would like to raise car tab money uh, for the purpose of fixing our roads. And if a community votes on that and agrees to spend their money that way, that's fine. The problem with transportation benefit district fees, as they are now, is that city councils can impose those fees without a public vote up to $50. And so we believe that, that transportation benefit district fees um, should be voted on by the public and the money should exclusively be used for roads and bridges and that's not the case right now so as far as the initiative goes the initiative eliminates the transportation benefit district um, authority to impose those fees at all um, I would say that it's a discussion that needs to be had because they're imposed without any kind of public input and then people get their car tabs and wonder what this money is Getting that public engagement and voter approval is really, really important, and I think that's um, a worthy discussion whether the initiative passes or not. Maria Frost with the Washington Policy Center, transportation specialist. Appreciate your time this afternoon. Thanks for coming by and joining us. Thank you for having me. And we're going to take a quick time now, come back with more here from the Grand Davenport Hotel in Spokane. The bottom line is live on location on the road. Thanks to our friends at Perfection Tire, your preferred dealer for Nokian Tires. We come back, we're going to chat with Todd Myers, the environmental specialist, about that new oil tax or home heating oil tax going into effect in Seattle. phone give us your bottom line through email send your thoughts from the bottom lines page at 610kona.com back to the bottom line presented by mccary meets in basin city Welcome back to the Bottom Line News Radio 610 K1A. We're live from the Grand Davenport Hotel in Spokane. The Eastern Washington uh, dinner for the Washington Policy Center going on tonight. Special guest speakers, Governor Chris Christie, former governor of New Jersey, and the former Secretary of Defense, James Mattis. Thanks to Perfection Tire for uh, sending us on the road today. We do appreciate it. Your home for Nokia Tires, your preferred dealer. Find out how Nokia Tires fit best on your car, especially with the winter coming up. Pleased to have with us right now. 
Fourth Congressional Representative Dan Newhouse. Representative Newhouse, good to have you here in Spokane, and uh, good to have you on the program. First question I'm going to ask you is the one that everybody is talking about. Not impeachment, gotcha. Um, USMCA, what's going on? Oh, you did surprise me. I thought that would maybe be second or third. But uh, USMCA is, in my mind, there's no, absolutely no reason why we shouldn't just get that thing passed. It's ready. Uh, I've been ready to vote for it for a long time. The Democrats, they had some issues. The Speaker put together a, a workforce or a, or a task force to deal with those issues. Some of them even traveled to Mexico to talk to their government about some of the issues. As uh, far as I know, it's, uh, it's, it's just about ready to, to, to go in, in their view. I'm ready now. I, I think I'm hopeful we can get it done. I, I was saying before November, and I'm hoping before Thanksgiving, if we get it done by the end of the year, it's still going to be a good thing. It's something we've got to do to improve our economic outlook. And heck, Canada and Mexico, our two closest neighbors, our two largest trading partners, we've got to get this done. It just does not make any sense for us not to. Well, one of the things that we know is they're waiting on us. They, they've basically done their end of the deal. They're waiting on us to close ours. And one of the things that we've heard has been a sticking point, at least with the Speaker of the House and some other Democrats, are labor issues uh, that they don't feel are addressed. If there's anything changed to this, the way it sits, are we going back through a re-ratification process with Canada and Mexico, and then who knows what the time frame is? You know, I hope that's not the case, because then it could be a couple more years before we get this done. Uh, I, I think, from what I understand about what Mexico has done, they've actually passed legislation in federal government of Mexico in order to address some of the perceived shortcomings. Uh, I think maybe the Democrats had to understand fully what it was they did. That's why Richie Neal, one of the chairs of our committees, went down to Mexico City to visit with them. And so I'm, I'm hopeful that that's been clarified and that, that we can move forward. Now, we're talking with Representative Dan Newhouse, 4th Congressional Representative here on the bottom line, live from Spokane. If this passes, this is a huge win for the president. How much of that is at play in all this? Well, that's, that's my cynical point of view, that that's got to have some impact or some effect uh, uh, to why we haven't voted on it yet. The Speaker swears it's not. And so, um, but like I said, in my view, this has been ready for a long time. Uh, it, Mexico's already approved it. Canada's waiting for us to approve it. Uh, there's a lot. It's the new NAFTA. There's a, been a lot of improvements made to it. It's, is it a political win for the president? Absolutely it is. I mean, this is one of his promises, to rewrite some of the trade agreements that we have with other countries. So you've got to think there's some reluctance on the speaker to give him that win. But it's good for the country. And it's, it's time we don't play politics with policies that we absolutely have to have in order for us to be successful. All right, one more trade question for you, then we'll get into the juicy stuff. Um, <laughs> We've got a couple of accords now lined up with Japan. China is still kind of sitting out there. They're, 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 they're making some moves forward, but we're not going to do this unless these tariffs go. So where are we with China? What, where do you think? Is it, are, we, are we still playing some games here, or are we seeing some real positive things move forward with China? And how important are those agreements that we've just 
come to with Japan, particularly for Washington farmers? Our, our agreement with Japan is huge. You know, they, they take a lot of our products, wheat and beef, and a lot of our fruit products. So that's a that's a huge thing. And, and they've been a close, important trading partner for a long time. And so that, that, that is something that uh, a lot of people are very happy about. I think that impacts the negotiations with China, as I think if we can get the USMCA done, that will impact the negotiations with China. The good thing about the, this uh, uh, extended negotiation is that they're still talking, which always not, has not always been the case. They're talking now. Uh, there's, from this last meeting, the president announced some improvements, some purchases by China, uh, agricultural products, so that's a good sign. Uh, it's a complicated thing. and. Uh, it's not not easy, not that any of them are, but this is very complicated. The largest economies in the world trying to come together with a deal that is good for both of them. It's tough stuff, it, but I'm uh, I'm seeing some good good signs for optimism here. These these this phase one agreement is good, and I just hope it can keep that momentum going. Now, about 50 or so of your fellow party members did. A the other day in Washington, D.C. Um, this situation is, is really taking on a life of its own. And when I say that, I, I mean it in the regards that we've never seen anything like this play out in Washington, D.C. to the level that it has. We've, we've almost lost all elements of transparency, decorum, trust, believability, where where are we going with this? And it, anybody that looks at this on the surface, if they want to look at it objectively, the end goal is not going to be the end result. So what are we trying to accomplish with 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 this this giant game that's being played? Well, Rob, I think it's pretty telling that it took. 22 months of the Mueller report investigations, all those, all of that effort that came up with absolutely nothing. And then just as they were looking for something else, the, the information about this phone call with the president of Ukraine came into, uh, into light. And immediately, Nancy Pelosi says we're going to start a, an impeachment inquiry even before we had the transcripts of the phone call or the report from the, the whistleblower. Now, uh, Representative Newhouse, we're talking with Representative Dan Newhouse, 4th Congressional Representative here from the Davenport Hotel, the Grand Davenport Hotel in Spokane. Uh, everything that we are told that Nancy Pelosi and company has that is a smoking gun seems to be more like a pop cap gun because everything has some kind of a shady link to some type of tainted element okay the Mueller report the dossier was was obviously trumped up and fake this whistleblower goes to Adam Schiff's office has tied it was a staff or something all these things that they're pushing going CCCC they all seem to point to pardon the pun, trumped up allegations. Yeah, trumped up allegations and point back right at the Democrats. So, you know, it, 
is there any there there? They're trying to find something. These these inquiries that are going on behind closed doors, where even someone like you, a member of the press, can't enter, even though none of this is top secret stuff. Um, they're keeping they're keeping me. They're keeping my my colleagues in Congress. They're keeping the American people in the dark while they go through this inquiry, trying to find something. One more question for you regarding this, Representative Newhouse. We'll let you go. We appreciate your time joining us. We're all waiting for the big report. We're all waiting for the report that AG Barr is having conducted. Um, the report is that's being the investigation that's being done right now. Um, I believe his last name is Durham. The gentleman who's doing the investigation on uh, a number of things that were that led up to the investigation of the FISA reports, to the release of the FISA reports, um, he's doing the the the. I don't want to say behind the scenes investigation, but he's looking into everything that that led up to those investigations. It's not looking good for the other side of the aisle, apparently, with the information. So if this comes out and we see that there was improper behavior by the previous administration to tamper with an election in one, what should the ramifications be, but two, will there be any knowing who controls the House? Well, I tell you, if if there is evidence that there was tampering with the election of the previous administration, you would think that just as much and time and money would be invested in getting to the bottom of that with a thorough investigation as there is into Mr. Trump and allegations that anything uh, that he did might have been improper. So that'll be the proof of whether or not this truly is political or if it's to preserve the Constitution and everything that we believe in as Americans. We're going to take a quick time out. Representative Dan Newhouse, thanks so much for your time. It's always appreciate talking to you. Absolutely, Rob. I appreciate that. We need to get back to the business at hand. There's a lot of issues in this country. Passing USMCA is one of them. Prescription drug prices. There's just a ton of things that we should be talking about, and we're, we're focused on things that aren't helpful for the nation. Now back to the bottom line, presented by McCary Meats in Basin City. It's your voice, your show. Call the LegendsCasino.com hotline, 509-547-1610. Back at the bottom line, News Radio 610-KONA, live from the Grand Davenport Hotel in Spokane. Thanks to Perfection Tire for helping us hit the road. You're no key entire dealer. You prefer to key entire dealer. All weather, winter tires, stud tires, they got them. Stop by and find out why no tires should be on your car, your local perfection tire dealer. Robin Ed hanging with you, Spokane. We've, you know, we've had a, a great hour so far, uh, chatting with a lot of people. Ed's been doing some, um, no, what would be the right, in, in California it would be stargazing. I guess at this event, would it be, uh, gosh, prominent people gazing, I guess. Well, I guess I, I'm also in charge of uh, of social media, and uh, you know, getting some stuff on Twitter and and whatnot, and and kind of wrangle uh, some guests uh, for for us. We we have one coming up uh, at uh, 5:06. Going to have him for about 10-12 minutes. Former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie will be joining us uh, live on the program. So, something to look forward to. Oh, absolutely. But 
but I'm seeing all kinds of, uh, you know, there's, there's, you know, there's a handful of people from the cities we've seen that uh, for this great. Uh, but yeah, I, I, you know, certain people in the, in, in the offbeat media will just say, uh, I think I saw Alex Jones. I, Alex Jones. Really, I really do think that I saw him. Is the Eastern Washington Director of the Washington Policy Center, Chris Cargill. And uh, Chris, first of all, thanks for having us. We appreciate the invite. We're more than thrilled to be here. Uh, but talk to us a little bit about the mission of the Washington Policy Center and how events like this not only help spread the word, but raise awareness about what you do. Well, great. It's great. It's great for all of us here in Eastern Washington to have events like this. It's great for us to have you guys here with us. And uh, I think the fact that we have 1,200 people here tonight to celebrate the work of all. Uh, we're excited to have some people from the Tri Cities here with us tonight. I think we have uh, truckloads uh, to join us here tonight. There's many, many tables from the Tri Cities joining us tonight. Of the Washington Policy Center. It's not just the Spokane dinner. Uh, we really celebrate the work of uh, the Washington Policy Center all throughout Eastern Washington. So that's what we're, we're doing here tonight. Uh, we have uh, an event that we do in uh, Western Washington as well, in Bellevue, two weeks ago, because we're really a statewide organization. That's why we have an office in, in Tri Cities, an office here in Spokane, an office in and our work is to try to improve the entire state of Eastern uh, Washington State, not just Eastern Washington, not just Western Washington State. You know, one of the most interesting things to me about the Washington Policy Center is how you guys take a uh, an almost departmentalized approach to each issue that affects the state, where you, you, you'll take it, you'll break it out, and you'll have a, a group of people that will focus their efforts on one specific issue instead of trying to have a, a paintbrush effect, where you'll have a couple people to try to tackle everything. You guys really focus so that when you do put out information on issues such as transportation, the environment, uh, tax issues, that you're coming from a base of not just well, we've delved into this a little bit. You've got a team of people that work on these issues specifically, so that you're like the EF Hutton of policy. When you talk, people are listening. Yeah, and I think that's right. I mean, that's why we focus on eight specific areas, like education, like health care, and Dr. Roger Starter. Uh, is the director of our Center for Healthcare. We have a Center for Transportation, a Center for Agriculture that's based right in Tri-Cities, uh, a Center uh, for uh, Environment that's uh, based on the west side. All of these different areas, uh, different areas of public policy in Washington State and really uh, require us to focus on those areas and, and discipline us uh, in those uh, different research centers. So really, really um, disciplined ourselves in those different research areas and made it off topic to those different uh, research centers, those eight different research centers, and really discipline ourselves on those eight, eight different research centers, eight research center directors. That's what they do. They become experts in those areas so that when they're called to testify on legislature or um, a research center topic uh, on education reform or healthcare reform, they can see within topic. Well, we're looking forward to talking with Dr. Sarge in the next hour. Uh, as we know, we'll talk with Governor Chris Christie here coming up. Thank you very much. Uh, what are some of the things that you're focusing on for the short session? 
Well, I think the possibility of a state income tax and the relentless push by folks on the west side of the state to, to try to adopt a state income tax is going to be uh, a paramount concern. The relentless push by the Snake River dams, now they're talking about the Columbia River dams as well. That's a paramount concern to those of us at WPC. The fact that we're heading into an election season, health care reform is going to be of top concern. So Dr. Stark is going to talk about that with you guys, I'm sure, coming up. Uh, all of these different issues uh, seem to bubble up all the time, uh, but they're really starting to become a paramount concern. Tonight we're going to announce uh, the, the, um, uh, the push for uh, a more free market approach uh, when we're talking about about uh, the the upcoming um, uh, 2020 campaign and and what you know the the focus right now of so many people especially young people in the state is this relentless uh, talk about socialism and how socialism be, has become really attractive tonight we're going to talk about what we're going to do at the policy center to try to push back against some of that so uh, there's a lot to do in Washington state uh, and we know that and so that's what organizations like ours are all about trying to share with people our research uh, and our ways to make the state a lot better you know, Chris, one of the things that we mentioned when we were talking uh, a, a little bit earlier with Todd is that the legislature seems to have the ear of the city of Seattle. So how much harder does it make it for organizations like yours to be able to create that pushback, to be able to get the open mind, to get the mind open to hear other things when such a large body and a large group is such a loud voice, especially that close to Olympia? Well, I think the great part about it, one uh, accomplishment that we've been able to uh, check off on our list uh, is being able to bring remote testimony to Eastern Washington. And that's a critical tool for folks in Eastern Washington to be able to use to um, to speak their mind. Uh, remote testimony never used to be the case. You used to be able to have to go to Olympia in order to testify before the legislature. Now, Senate committee, that really opens the door for those to balance out that balance of power. You know, folks in Seattle, yes, they have a lot of power, but folks in Eastern Washington have a big voice now, a big megaphone, thanks to remote testimony. So that's one example. You know, and the nice thing is it's been used in the Senate, trying to get it used in the House. Uh, remote testimony seems to be almost in some ways uh, the one thing they don't want to see happen. I think on the House side, yeah, they're pushing back against it, and then they're trying to say, well, we like it the way it is. Well, that's not an excuse to give people the chance to go over to Olympia, testify before a legislative committee uh, without having to make that long travel, and it's good for the environment. I mean, if, if we're going to talk about what's good for the environment, our governor is going to be uh, an environmental governor, we'll for remote gets people out of their cars, they can testify uh, on, on a remote basis. In the home, in the state's home to Microsoft, we should have been doing this a long time ago. We have the technology. We're in the 4 o'clock hour. We've got a big fifth hour coming up, or big 5 o'clock hour, I should say. Big third hour of the show around the corner. We're going to talk with former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie. We're going to talk with Dr. Roger Stark. He is the health care policy specialist for the Washington Policy Center. As you heard Chris uh, discuss a little bit earlier, health care reforms coming up. We're going to talk with Dr. Stark about those. And uh, we think we might still be able to get the Secretary of State in here as well. 